Let's open up another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. I'm the Roundtable, where we kind of, I guess we might as well chew the fat, since it is Fat Tuesday, after all, Susan Littlefield. It is. So, like you said, it's a perfect excuse to do and eat what you want, because <laughs> it's Fat Tuesday. I think it is, yeah. It's just it's permission to do what I wanted to do, what I would do naturally anyway. <laughs> yep, before tomorrow hits for many folks. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, Susan, uh, you had an opportunity to talk with uh, the governor again. I guess there are some big changes afoot, and how do they affect agriculture? Did you talk about that? We did, and you're going to find out more coming up at 1219 as Governor Ricketts did a little comparison about how the government in Nebraska has been cutting their budget and they have 500 less employees, and then he kind of does a little dig on UNL about, you know, it's okay to have to cut your budget, too. And I know that one of the big discussions is the Haskell Ag Lab, which helps out 28 uh, counties in northeast Nebraska. So there's some concern that that might be on the chopping block. We'll talk more about that at 1219. Then Clay brings in the Director of Agriculture, Steve Wellman, at 1245. And then the governor comes back in at 117 as he had the opportunity to sit at the table yesterday with the president as he unveiled his infrastructure plan so we'll talk about more about what that means to the state of nebraska all right well it's uh i guess if you're going to reduce budgets it's got to come from somewhere so uh it's going to be interesting to see where those finally land i guess it will, and we'll know more about that come March when the final budget is all done. Mm-hmm. All right, Susan, well, we'll listen with interest to what you have to say with uh, the director and with the governor. Thanks very much. No problem. Thank you. Hey, Jason Jorgensen's got sports today. Speaking of cuts, of course, uh, a lot of reaction yesterday to the cuts that UNK is yeah. being forced to make, uh, not only with uh, the academic side of things, but also with their athletic department. Get the thoughts of athletic director Dr. Paul Plinsky about that as the Lopers are having to do away with baseball, that that's a hit that... That hurts. It, it does, and there was a lot of uh, social media about that uh, yesterday. Also, we'll talk about the Nebraska men's basketball team. They have a chance to win their 20th game of the season tonight. It would be their sixth in a row as they take on Maryland. Maryland is kind of a spooky team. Spooky? Spooky in the fact that they've been very good at home, not so good on the road. In fact, they have not won a road game here in the calendar year 2018. Really? No. Hopefully that continues tonight when they visit Pinnacle Bank Arena with tip-off at 6. We will hear from the Huskers about that one. Also, it's a big day if you're into high school football in the state of Nebraska because in about 25 minutes, the NSAA will release the schedules for 2018 and 2019. Do they have any realignments this year? A little bit, and schools changing classes and mergers. Also, the state is back in charge of scheduling the six-man games, which they have not been part of for over ten years. So uh, a lot of folks excited to see. A lot of broadcasters excited yeah, to look at that. I the broadcasters to, are. You wouldn't be thinking of talking about one in particular, <laughs> would you? Well, you like to plan ahead. Yeah. You like to know where you'd be. <laughs> On behalf of our fleet of broadcasters. All right. And Bob Brogan has business. Stocks are a little bit lower in midday trading on Wall Street, led by declines in health care companies. And uh, some of the headlines, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell has some things to say about the global economy. And uh, also, uh, a leading energy watchdog says the boom in U.S. oil production is reminiscent of the rise in output that eventually led to the 2014 crash in crude prices. Oh, boy. All this and more coming your way on Midday. 
We get Paul Perkins in here to take a seat and a microphone and to take a good long gander at that uh, weather screen to see what he can prognosticate for us. Brought to you by Coolman Repair. How was that for intro? Uh, well, that's that just built it up to. I don't know. It's almost unexpected. Almost <laughs> superhuman expectations <laughs> yeah. now, isn't it? But we do have uh, temperatures warming very nicely, upper 20s to low 30s in much of south central and eastern areas of Nebraska. But as you head towards southwest Nebraska to north central Nebraska, where they've seen a little more snow over the last week or a uh, couple of weeks here, they have temperatures right now in the mid to upper 20s, a little less snow covering into Kansas, and those temperatures warming into the 30s and even some low 40s as you head towards central and east kansas and also some temperatures generally in the 30s on into northeast colorado today about 15 to 20 degrees warmer than what we saw yesterday thanks to that cold front from yesterday nudging a bit more towards the north temperatures to the north of i-80 though still having a hard time making it much past the freezing mark today since that warm front not moving as far north as earlier anticipated a westerly downslope wind for tomorrow, though, really warming the temperatures up. Mostly in the 40s and 50s, we'll see some low 60s towards western Kansas. A weak cold front will drop south on Thursday. Not expecting much of any in the way of precipitation. The main impact going to be a, a drop in our temperatures to slightly cooler than normal. A reinforcing shot of even cooler air arrives with Canadian high pressure for Thursday night and Friday, but that will keep things dry. Temperatures over the weekend will be milder. As some south winds kick in on the backside of that area of high pressure as it slides to the southeast. Another Arctic outbreak expected for next week for more well below normal temperatures. Wind down of next week's more like what we saw last week. This week overall probably will be warmer than what we saw last week. We could see some weak disturbances next week bring in some areas of light snow. In the long-term forecast, winter not going away anytime soon. Cold air spilling south will keep our temperatures Mostly colder than normal in Nebraska and Kansas, Sunday through February 26th. Nebraska and Kansas expected to receive slightly above normal precipitation Sunday into the 26th. Weather factors in the market include limited rain in Argentina the next seven days and mainly dry weather for the Southern Plains wheat areas. The next few days, generally light rain will affect several areas of the U.S., including parts of the southeast and much of the west. Late in the week, heavy precipitation will become concentrated across the southeast and lower Midwest. The Midwest, south, and east experiencing a brief and much warmer trend that will be followed by a return to colder weather by the end of the week. On the southern plains, some locations have not received measurable precipitation in more than four months. Wheat areas of north-central Texas and south Oklahoma may see some rain about five to seven days from now. In the extended outlook, precipitation expected to be Near normal to below normal in west and northeast wheat areas, near to above normal precipitation forecast across southeast locations. Central Argentina corn and soybean areas will continue drier than normal the next seven days. With a warming trend, showers may occur later in the week, but will probably bypass the key growing areas as corn and soybean prospects continue to decline. Southern Brazil key growing areas are headed for another drier period the next six to seven days, but it won't be very warm. Crops, especially soybeans in southern Brazil, would benefit from more rain. My heavens, did you say four months? Yeah, it, it just continues to be mind-boggling, the lack of moisture that they're seeing over uh, portions of Texas and Oklahoma, a lot of it in Texas. Wow. 
And we used to think that there was kind of a, a barrier there that would keep the really cold air from coming down into Nebraska. It's almost as if the uh, the granite presidents have given up on that effort now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's you know it's been a good winter here. Uh, if you like winter, we're we've been getting plenty of it the last couple of months here. Sure. Starting with that first day of winter, it's been pretty cold and. We've had some pretty brutally cold periods yeah, here. Yeah, and in for more the way things are looking. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. New cuts to the farm bill look past the barn door to the city skyline. The new cuts are creating backlash from grocery retailers. And how will Trump's infrastructure plan trickle down to the rural level? That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. The Trump administration is warning about coming cuts to some USDA programs, as well as a tougher work rule for the food stamp program. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue said recently that tighter rules may be necessary to discourage a lifestyle of government dependence. Recommendations on the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, commonly called food stamps, are being watched especially close because of the partisan dispute seen over those issues in the last Farm Bill as those partisan issues over food stamps nearly derailed the 2014 Farm Bill. The White House on Monday proposed cutting an average of $21.4 billion a year out of SNAP that would include capping SNAP payments for people to no more than $90 a month in benefits and instead sending SNAP recipients a USDA food package dubbed America's Harvest Box. The box would include staple items in it such as canned fruit, vegetables and meat, poultry or fish. The White House states that this is a cost-effective approach that would provide significant savings to taxpayers. White House Budget Director Mick Mulvaney was excited about this idea, referring it to it as a Blue Apron-type program for SNAP. The Food Marketing Institute trade group quickly criticized President Trump's budget proposal to redirect food stamp dollars from retailers, calling it wasteful and short-sighted. Jennifer Hatcher, policy officer for the group representing Kroger, Walmart, and other major retailers, said retailers are looking to the administration to reduce red tape and regulations, not increase them with proposals such as this one. Hatcher went on to say that reducing the SNAP payments as well as sending a direct box of food staples to people in the SNAP program would be less efficient than supply chains crafted over decades by retailers. In other agriculture news, many people are abuzz with the information President Trump released yesterday on his infrastructure plan, which calls for spending $200 billion in federal funding over 10 years, including a special $50 billion pot just to target rural areas. Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, said the president's plan, particularly regarding the $50 billion for rural America, promises to bring long overdue improvements to the country roads, bridges, and broader infrastructure that farmers and ranchers depend on to reach out to customers at home and abroad. While past infrastructure plans have left rural America in the dust, this administration has not forgotten the rural American communities that form the backbone of our nation. For a closer look at how this infrastructure money may trickle down to rural areas in Nebraska, we go to Jabella Guzman. In rural areas where the funding is greatly needed for roads and bridges, the plan includes $50 billion for rural block grants for states based on the miles of rural roads and the extent of the rural population. Nebraska Department of Transportation Director Kyle Scheinweis says the grants would relieve states of some federal regulatory concerns. These block grants would be issued to governors and, and governors could put them to use and put them to use pretty quickly. So we like that part quite a lot. They're also talking about trying to uh, to reconfigure the permitting process so it's much faster and you know in nebraska we've got projects that take far too long to get permitted 
And, uh, and so anytime we can get, get projects moving faster, we'll be able to save money and save time. And those are both good things for both Nebraska and the Panhandle. U.S. Senator Deb Fisher, chairman of the Surface Transportation Subcommittee, in a statement says she is also pleased the plan makes investments in rural America that would strengthen the rural communities, which are the heart and soul of Nebraska. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Thank you, Chabella. I'm Clay Patton. Keep a straight row and keep listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's the midday program on the Rural Radio Network, Sports Time with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, the Nebraska men's basketball team goes for its sixth straight victory tonight as the Maryland Terrapins visit Pinnacle Bank Arena. The Huskers are 19-8 and overall and 10-4 and in Big Ten action, and they've been playing some of their best basketball over the last month, winning seven out of their last eight with that only loss coming at Big Ten leader Ohio State. Head coach Tim Miles was asked yesterday if this is a must-win game. I don't believe in must-win games, but we know this time of year when you're on the bubble, it's either you have to win or you can't afford to lose. So what's the difference, right? Um, That's just the way it is, and we have to play as well as we can, put ourselves in a position to win. Tip-off tonight in Lincoln is set for six. UNK senior forward Trey Landsman has been named the MIAA Men's Basketball Player of the Week. The senior from Harlan, Iowa, played in all 40 minutes in the Lopers games at UCO and Northeastern State over the weekend as the Lopers went 1-1. One one. Landsman averaged 25 points and 12 rebounds and 4 assists per game. He also notched his 12th and 13th double-doubles of the season. Certainly was a tough day yesterday afternoon at UNK as administrators announced their plans to phase out three athletic programs by the end of the spring season. That includes baseball and men's tennis and men's golf. Athletic Director Dr. Paul Plinsky has pledged to assist the athletes to help them graduate from UNK or pursue other opportunities. Those 56 male student-athletes that we impacted, uh, I'm incredibly sorry. Uh, We had no other option, but uh, we hope that they'll honor this opportunity to finish this 2018 spring season. The cuts to athletics are a part of UNK's overall plan to meet a $3.4 million budget cut for the upcoming year. If you are interested in where your local high school football team in Nebraska will be playing for the next two years, that info was just released by the NSAA. At noon, the organization released the schedules for the 2018 and 2019 football seasons. Speaking of football, the Ravens and Bears will launch the NFL's 99th season by playing in the annual Hall of Fame game on August 2nd. The Ravens' first appearance in the Hall of Fame game, which launches the league's 2018 enshrinement week. Former Baltimore linebacker Ray Lewis is among the inductees, along with former Bears linebacker Brian Erlacher. Lewis, who played 17 seasons with the Ravens, and Erlacher, who played all 13 of his seasons with Chicago, were both elected on the first ballot. And the Major League Players Association is keeping media out of its free agent training camp at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. That camp is open to the approximately 100 unsigned players who exercised their rights to become free agents back in November. And sub-district basketball continues for the girls tonight across the state of Nebraska. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dave Schroeder. It was a somber Monday afternoon on the University of Nebraska Kearney campus as administrators announced the phasing out of three athletic programs at the end of their spring seasons. They include baseball, boys tennis, and boys golf. Athletic director Paul Plinsky says he is mindful of all affected by it, including the three coaching positions. 
We have tremendous coaches. They did nothing wrong. They are wonderful men who have led this institution with great uh, charisma and integrity and, and pride, and uh, my hat goes off to them. He also plans to assist the athletes to help them graduate from UNK or pursue other opportunities. Those 56 male student athletes that we impacted, uh, I'm incredibly sorry. Uh, we had no other option, but uh, we hope that they'll honor this opportunity to finish this 2018 spring season. The cuts to the athletics are part of UNK's plan to meet a $3.4 million budget cut for the coming year. State Senator Bob Christ has changed his party affiliation from nonpartisan to Democrat as he prepares to run for governor. He had earlier switched from Republican to nonpartisan. Republican Party Executive Director Kenny Zoller. Now this comes to no surprise to any Republicans, to any conservatives across the state of Nebraska. Senator Christ has had a liberal voting record within the legislature. Senator Christ is officially announcing that he has joined the Democratic Party in a press conference that's underway right now. An April sentencing is scheduled for a Columbus woman accused of embezzling nearly $90,000 from a business in Merrick County. Chelsea Aldrich has pleaded no contest to theft from AgroService Incorporated in Silver Creek. Her sentencing is set for April 16th in Central City. Prosecutors say that she wrote bogus checks on the company account while working as secretary from 2016 through 2017. A Kansas bill receiving widespread support would allow for the expansion of confined chicken growing operations within proximity to residential areas. The Senate bill was endorsed Monday by two of Kansas's largest agriculture industry organizations, as well as Kansas State University faculty and county development groups. The proposed legislation would set boundaries on concentration of chicken houses and the number of birds at each site in order to improve recruitment of companies interested in making investments in new production facilities. Agriculture leaders say that Kansas has a modest poultry footprint while surrounding states have embraced poultry farming. Our app puts regional ag, national and area news just one click away anytime. From the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. How Director Wellman is settling in as the head of the Nebraska Department of Agriculture. How NAFTA could affect Nebraska producers, as well as some upcoming events the Nebraska Department of Ag wants you to know about. That's all ahead on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Joining us to talk about how the new job is settling in is Director of Nebraska Ag, Steve Wellman. And Steve, talk to us about how the last two months have went. Well, I, I've been, been very pleased with how things have went. The, uh, the, the staff and the team of the Department of Agriculture has been very welcoming to me and and very open with uh, answering my questions, getting me educated on, on their day-to-day duties, and uh, I've, I feel fortunate to be in the position I'm in, and I have the confidence of Governor Ricketts to, uh, to be the Director of Ag for Nebraska, and I'm really just very pleased to represent Nebraska Agriculture as we move forward and, and grow Nebraska agriculture and do all we can to grow the state's economy. Let's talk current ag topics, and really international trade is hot right now, and NAFTA specifically. Uh, Nebraska, obviously, those exports and agricultural products that we produce here are very, very important. From your position as director, what are you hearing on the NAFTA pr- front for uh, Nebraska producers? 
Well, it has been talked about quite a bit. The uh, the NAFTA renegotiation discussions are going on. <clears throat> Agriculture in general has been been very uh, fortunate with the uh, and and has benefited quite a bit from from the NAFTA trade agreement. And Mexico and Canada both are in in the top ten of the countries that we export agriculture products to from Nebraska. So the state agriculture people have been doing a very good job of getting the, our products to Mexico and Canada. And then let's talk about more just regional and statewide. There's a lot of events coming up that the Department of Ag is excited about, one of those being the Governor's Ag Conference. The 30th Annual Governor's Ag Conference is scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday, March 7th and 8th at the Holiday Inn and Convention Center in Kearney. And the Governor will started off with his opening remarks <clears throat> on Wednesday afternoon, and that will be followed by a panel discussion featuring Nebraska farmers and ranchers that have taken on national leadership positions in either uh, Cattlemen's Association, Soybean Association, Corn, uh, the, the commodities that are represented here to, uh, will be represented at that conference to represent Nebraska agriculture and and we're really fortunate to have Nebraskans that have taken active role in national leadership. One of the speakers we're excited to see at the Governor's Ag Conference is former NDA Director Greg Ibon, now Undersecretary for the USDA. And Steve, what do you think uh, Greg will want to talk about at the Governor's Ag Conference? Well, I think Greg will be happy to come back to Nebraska and see some of his old uh, friends throughout Nebraska agriculture and people he's dealt with uh, a lot during his uh, 12 years as Director of Ag and, and his new position as Undersecretary of Agriculture for Marketing and Regulatory Programs with USDA is something that, that certainly fits his talents that he's developed here in Nebraska. So I'm sure he'll fill us in on, on the aspects of his new job and, and how he plans to, uh, to continue the role uh, serving agriculture, but uh, only from Washington, D.C., couple opportunities for youth who want to participate with the Nebraska Department of Agriculture, both for the younger guys and the young adults. Talk to us about these programs. Yeah, sure. That's, we have two programs for the youth. Uh, the first one is for grades 1 through 6, and it's a poster contest. And We, we are asking the uh, kids to share the story of Nebraska agriculture and let them express what they see of the story is for Nebraska ag and and we will feature the winning entries on our website and in promotional materials and publications as we move along. The deadline for this uh, poster contest is March 1st, and information on that can be found on our website, which is www.nda.nebraska.gov. second youth program we have going on now is we're taking applications for the Nebraska Agricultural Youth Institute. NAYI is a five-day summer program for current high school juniors and seniors. The event will be held at the University of Nebraska Lincoln East Campus. And really it's an opportunity for these high school youth that are interested in agriculture to uh, come together and, and meet others that are have some of the same interests and uh, just learn about ag issues and career opportunities. Uh, it's a long standing program that the Department of Agriculture has, has conducted and really looking forward to uh, me personally being able to, to meet these youth that get selected to participate in the Youth Institute. And again, the deadline for that is uh, those applications is April 15th 
And again, that would be on our website, nda.nebraska.gov. That again, Nebraska Department of Agriculture Director Steve Wellman joining us on the Rural Radio Network, talking a range of topics today as he is in gearing at the Bean Association's annual meeting and conference, also planning to see some sugar beet producers out in western Nebraska, and then talking about some youth opportunities coming up through the Nebraska Department of Agriculture as well. You know, keep it tuned to the Rural Radio Network for all your ag news and information. Next, we talk about these livestock futures and how they closed. Joe Teal joins us from Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, it was a mixed day in the cattle, uh, uh, finishing a little bit lower in the front end. Uh, uh, the February, April, and June cattle all finishing lower, and then uh, a little bit higher in the uh, back end. Uh, pretty choppy day back and forth. We, uh, we started out a little bit higher based upon uh, the, some cattle that traded uh, Yesterday, uh, a few traded uh, at a little bit higher money, so expectations were running pretty high this morning that we would see uh, some follow-through, but obviously uh, that hasn't happened. And uh, so we uh, ended up selling off uh, here at the end uh, to finish mixed. The same for the feeders, uh, a little bit lower in the front, a little bit higher in the back, very choppy back and forth following uh, uh, the lead to some degree, I think, of the corn market uh, because the corn market started out pretty firm. The feeders were under some pressure, and then the corn market came back, moved lower, and uh, uh, that brought the uh, feeders back, but uh, just partially uh, uh, the back end uh, doing better than the front end. Over the hogs, under uh, some pressure throughout the day uh, from uh, the April on back, uh, continue to see some weakness in the uh, cash. The February contract did a- manage to hold together and uh, finish a little bit higher. Uh, cutouts were back up uh, on uh, the hogs, so uh, the front end, but not the back end. Uh, some fears that uh, we're going to see lower uh, hog prices in the future. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call 800 328 Total cattle slaughter first two days this week estimated at 227,000, 3,000 less than a week ago. This is the Rural Radio Network. Infrastructure, a vital part of growth in Nebraska and all across the U.S. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts was in Washington, D.C., sitting at the table with President Trump as he discussed his new infrastructure plan. Yeah, the meeting that I had at the White House was really rolling out the president's new infrastructure proposal and talking about how it's going to benefit the states. It's got four big parts to it. One is to encourage innovation and working through public-private partnerships for states to develop infrastructure. The second part is about $50 billion set aside for governors to use in block grants to develop rural highways. And that's particularly exciting because it's not just focused on rural highways. Because it's block grants, the governor will have the flexibility to do things like, say, rural broadband as well. So uh, that's a very key part for Nebraska. There was a third piece that talked about workforce development. And that's something that I've been talking about for the past three years with regard to how we train more of our young people to take these jobs. There's a lot of great careers in construction, for example. And so that's part of what this overall program is, is to encourage that. And then finally, the thing that I think is just a game changer is getting the environmental review process down to two years or less. 
that really would help us speed up getting projects done in our state. And when we can reduce projects, we can uh, deliver projects faster. That's also going to save money. You know, I'll give you an example. Lincoln South Beltway, uh, all the environmental work was done on that in 2002. And now that we're coming back with the dollars to build it, it's taken us five years just to get those numbers, the, the environmental uh, work that was already approved of, you know, in 2002 to get that updated so we can move forward on construction. And that's just crazy how the bureaucracy has gotten in the way. And that's where the president said if there's one agency that has got the majority of the work, they're going to be uh, the one who's going to be lead on getting those permits done. And it'll be one agency, one decision. And again, I think that's uh, probably one of the more exciting parts about all of this is trying to fix that federal bureaucracy. Well, as, as the president unveiled all of that yesterday, he had to have taken some, some information from, from different folks that were around the table to find out how his plan would affect the individual states. Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, uh, one person shared the story of how they had a permit that was taking 17 years to get done. And that just highlighted for the president why we need to uh, move forward on getting the bureaucracy cleared out of the way to allow people to actually build. He said, you know, the president said, hey, I'm a builder. I want to see things built. And so we need to make sure that our, our, our builders in this country can get the job done. Is there any concern, though, Governor, budget-wise, as this gets implemented? Because you're looking at some of this. I saw it was going to be an 80-20 split. That's a lot of money for individual states to come up with. Well, of course, the, the whole program will be voluntary with regard to that. Uh, I think that if you look at overall federal spending on these types of projects, it only involves about 14% overall. Most of the spending is done by our local communities, uh, you know, as our counties, state, and so forth. And, you know, here in Nebraska, we don't have a lot of laws around public-private partnerships. So this could actually be an impetus for us to get some of these passed to be able to take advantage of the new things this transportation bill offers. Others throughout the Midwest weighed in as well on the president's infrastructure plan. Dr. Roger Marshall, who is a congressman from Kansas, said that the biggest advantage American farmers possess is the ability to get goods to market more efficiently than in other countries. Kansas exports more than $10 billion of products annually. So maintaining the roads, highways, and other public utilities meets increasingly high levels of demand is vital. I am pleased to see the president recognizing the unique challenges that rural America faces. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. A mixed day in the Grange trade. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. The story might be the lack of volume in the corn and wheat market, but a different story in soy meal and soybeans. Yeah, soy meal, obviously, the story here. Argentina exports 50% of the world's soy meal. Uh, we've had continued increase in demand year over year. So, you know, the impetus really for all this bean movement globally is, is soybean meal. And uh, obviously a little bit of a squeeze being put on the market here as we enter the March delivery. I uh, did see the market close maybe seven, eight points off a tie. So I think we probably hit some levels here for now where maybe difficulty to get through. But, you know, from the bean perspective, uh, you know, March Above that 10.05 level, I think we could easily see a run up to 10.20, 10.30, put some pressure on last year's highs. Uh, new crop then, you know, it doesn't take a genius here. You're going to find a lot of analysts that are going to say sell this market. Uh, in fact, I, I think of the four newsletters I read every day, uh, all of them have come out with sell recs on this move. So I think the, the trade is a little bit in groupthink right now uh, for good reason. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be that easy. All right. Now moving to corn and wheat, we saw low volume today and a lack of movement to speak of. 
Yes, lack of movement. I think we're just, you know, everybody I talk to is selling corn into March delivery. The same question is being asked, what do I do with new crop? Do I reown the old? I think at this point I'd be a little patient to uh, to reown uh, anything above 370 March. It just feels like, you know, the brakes are probably a better place to buy. If you are going to reown, I, I like, you know, pairing it with a sale. So go ahead and make a cash sale or an HTA sale down the road and then look to reown the old crop that way. Otherwise, I think you're just patient. You know, if you have reowned up till this point, you know, Bought 350 March. Um, you know, I think you, you move aside, and uh, next two weeks will be delivery as, as, uh, as the kind of cards get set up for it. But this is all weather rally. You know, it's uh, it's dry in Argentina. I'm sure every guy who's out on the news uh, today has mentioned that. And um, you know, as these rain showers come, if they don't happen to come to fruition, I think the market is 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 poised to surge. Um, you know, four dollar corn is certainly the level uh, on December 18 that's going to have a, a, a high level of, of threshold to get through. About a five-month low versus the yen today. We're talking about the dollar index. Yeah, yeah dollar index is, is a big factor. I think when you're looking at wheat, that's something you have to factor in here. Uh, you know, in fact, all commodities. I mean, the grains are a big export space, but uh, I, I think this is just kind of the start of things. You know, we're, we're looking at prices that are relatively low still compared to where we were back when we were trading 88 on the way up. Yes, uh, supplies are a little bit looser, but globally on the bean side, we have, we're going to have less than we did a year from now. So... John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com.